Welcome back to the Competitive Hedge Podcast. It is August 27th, which means our 27th NFL team preview is upon us. Now, yesterday the discussion was all about the Seattle Seahawks, a team that we're not expecting to have a lot of wins this upcoming season because they didn't win a lot last year, and when you lose Russell Wilson, you're going to go through some tough times. But we're not going to dwell on the negative teams because today we've got one of the more positive teams this year, one that won the Super Bowl just two years ago. They had the greatest of all time in Tom Brady, a new head coach, and plenty of weapons on this team, that being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now before we get into talking about Tampa Bay, let's talk about the betting lines for this August 27th slate. Now as we record, the Ottawa Red Blacks in the CFL, they are plus three and a half taking on the Edmonton Elks. I like the Elks at home this week. I would take the minus three and a half there. Neither team is particularly great, but I do think that at home, I have to lean with Edmonton. When you're doing a cross-country trip like that, it's tough, and you're going up against a team that, let's let's be honest, you're on a, a level playing field with them. Now, when we're talking about EPL, you've got Manchester United taking on Southampton. Now, Southampton's at home, but United are coming off that big win over Liverpool. I'm just taking Man United straight up money line, minus 124. The odds for that are over at bet99.com. Use promo code SHOOTERS at sign up. Now you've also got Brighton who are minus 112 against Leeds. This one is a game that I like both teams to score here, just given the fact that I feel like Leeds is one of the better scoring teams despite being on the road. So at minus 139, I'll take the both teams to score in that game. Now, Brentford, they're at home against Everton. I'm going to take the Brentford money line straight up at plus 110. Don't love this Everton side. Feel like they're going to struggle to score goals. And I think Brentford takes three points here. Now, Chelsea, they're at home taking on Leicester. They're minus 223 against this Leicester team. I actually like the under two and a half in this game at plus 130. Chelsea, while it looks like they're going to be making a striker signing, I don't love them going into this game. I think this has 2-0, maybe 1-1 potential. And so because I don't know where to go with this one, I'm going to go with the under 2.5 goals. Then you've got Liverpool, who are minus 1,000 taking on Bournemouth. Definitely not going that route. But one route that I am going on is Liverpool minus 2.5 at minus 118. This is a team that, face it, they have to figure out a way to pick up points. They've only picked up two points in their first three matches. They play a Bournemouth side that I think is the worst in the Premier League this year. They're at home. Big opportunity here for Klopp's side to bounce back in a big way. So I'm going to take Liverpool minus 2.5 at minus 118. When we have Manchester City and Crystal Palace, I'm going to take both teams to score here at plus 100. I really like this Palace side. I think they're going to give Man City a fight. Man City coming off their 3-3 result against Newcastle. I really like Crystal Palace to score in this one. Maybe not necessarily win, but they'll definitely give them a battle. And then the last one that I'm looking at, I'm going to go Arsenal-Fulham straight up draw at plus 466. I find it very tough to believe that Arsenal is going to be sitting on 12 points through four matches. Fulham coming off the disappointment in the EFL Cup against Crawley Town. They're going to come in. They're going to steal a point. It's a point that they're going to deserve. 
and so I am rolling with them in that game. As far as MLB uh, and other games, not going to be looking at those this weekend. Definitely just tuning into EPL on the weekend. I'm gone camping this weekend, and so I just want to be tuning into EPL. But let's focus now on that NFL team preview that we talked about in the preamble, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Bucs last year, to recap their 2021-22 season, the Bucs went 13-4 last year, coming off a Super Bowl the year prior. Now, it was a bit of an up-and-down year for the Bucs because you had the whole Antonio Brown situation, his actions on the sidelines and throwing his jersey and him leaving the team and whatever else that went on. But they were still able to go on and win the NFC South despite all these issues. They advanced through the wild card round. They knocked off Philadelphia 31 to 15 there. But then they got halted by the eventual Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams, 30 to 27 in the divisional round. Now, this was a team that had the second ranked offense in the NFL and the 13th ranked defense. You had Tom Brady. <laughs> in his mid-40s, throwing for over 5,300 yards. You had Leonard Fournette adding 800 on the ground. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were both over 1,000 yards receiving. And then they had Shaq Barrett on the defense, who led the team with 10 sacks. Now, there was nine pro bowlers on this roster. Tom Brady and Tristan Wirfs, they were both all pros. So this is a very talented Bucks team. But that being said, it was a busy offseason for the Bucks. You have Tom Brady who retires, then he unretires. You got Rob Gronkowski, his tight end mate from New England that followed him here to Tampa Bay. He's just retired in general. He's not coming back. And Bruce Arians is done as well as head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. So heading into this year, you're going to have head coach Todd Bowles at the helm, who was their defensive coordinator the year prior. Now, other offseason moves, they did franchise tag Chris Godwin to hang on to him. They also added some offensive weapons with AB leaving, uh, with Gronk retiring. So they bring in Russell Gage from Atlanta. They bring in Kyle Rudolph at the tight end spot. And then Julio Jones coming off of a tough year in Tennessee, but one of the best receivers of all time. We'll see if he has much left, and we'll get into that in a little bit. On the defensive side, they go out, they draft Logan Hall in the second round from Houston. They also get Luke Godecki from Central Michigan in the draft. So they had a pretty good draft from Tampa Bay's perspective. Now, how improved is this team really? I wouldn't even say that it's necessarily improved. They've just replaced everything that they needed to. You know, I referenced AB leaving. The combination of Gage and Julio will help. And Kyle Rudolph replacing Gronk. Obviously not the same caliber of tight end, but you still got Cameron Brait there as well. The defense has some playmakers on that side of the ball, whether it's White, whether it's Shaq Barrett that we talked about earlier. They've got some playmakers on this defense. And now that they have Todd Bowles at the helm, who was the defensive coordinator, he's familiar with that group. They were still a top-end defense in the league last year, so I think this Tampa Bay team is going to be just fine. That's easy to say when you have Tom Brady. I mean, you have the greatest player of all time as your quarterback. And that's why when it comes to the Bucks betting side of things, they got the second best odds to win the Super Bowl. Now, I don't think they're going to be Super Bowl champions at the end of the year. If you've listened to our previous episodes, we're all in on Buffalo this year. But I do think that them to win this conference is not 
outside the realm of possibility, either regular season or playoffs. Plus 300 for them to win, be the number one seed in the NFC, or to make the Super Bowl at plus 300, I think, are great odds. When we're talking about this conference, it's very top-heavy. Right now, it feels like it's them in L.A., and then a lot of teams that are a step below them. Green Bay, we don't know how they're going to look without Devontae Adams in that offense. Dallas can't figure out a way to win meaningful playoff games. San Francisco has a rookie at the helmet quarterback. And then a whole lot of other teams in between, whether it's Philly, Arizona, Minnesota, New Orleans, a lot of teams that fall into that range. So it feels like it's between Tampa Bay and L.A. So to get plus 300 odds for them to win this conference, I really like it. Now, if you're doing a divisions parlay, which I know a lot of people do, Tampa Bay at minus 304 feels about as safe as it gets this year. Clearly, they have the best odds out of all the divisions to win their division. New Orleans is plus 350. Probably only real challenger there is if that defense is great and Jameis plays the full schedule and plays well. Carolina, a lot of question marks there. Do think they have an outside shot to make the playoffs, but I'm not going to go as far as to say they'll win the division. But when it comes to this over-under win total, I will say this much. Over-under 11.5 wins. The under's minus 125, which means Vegas probably thinks 11-6 and six is where this team ends up, the over being plus 102. And it's tough to really determine whether I like the over-under here because within your own division, I mean, let's be honest, you should win four or five division games this year. If you win four, that means that you have to go out and win eight of your 11 non-division games. Now, a lot more doable if you get to that five mark, then you only have to win seven of 11. But think about this. You open against Dallas, a team that you beat barely in the opener last year. You're now on the road for that game. Could be an early slip up. You got Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. You've got Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. You play the entire AFC North, which means that you get uh, Lamar Jackson, you get Deshaun Watson, you get him because it's a later game with Cleveland, you get Joe Burrow, you're taking on San Francisco, Arizona, the Rams. Pittsburgh is probably the only team in that non-division schedule where you're like, you should go and win that game, Seattle as well, I guess. So two wins, and then you got to go and be above 500 against the rest of those teams. So it's very tough to see where I would lean here. I would tend to lean that they're going to go over, that they're going to finish 12-5. and This is still a quality group with a Tom Brady that very easily could have been the MVP last year. But I'm just going to stay away from those betting lines. The over-under 11.5 is just not one that I love. Now, from a fantasy football perspective... I mean, if you draft Tom Brady, (laughs) it's tough to be upset. I mean, the guys, he's QB9, but last year, fantasy-wise, he was quarterback three. We mentioned earlier, he threw for over 5,300 yards. Now, Tom might get 10 rushing yards this year, so maybe don't rely on him from a rushing perspective. But he's just behind Russell Wilson and Jalen Hurts. He's just ahead of the Dax, the Matthew Staffords, the Derek Carrs. And this is a great offense. There's plenty of weapons in this offense. If you get Tom as your QB, you can start him almost every week, even despite the tough schedule. You lean on him to produce 300 yards, three touchdowns pretty consistently with this group. 
And so Tom is a great fantasy option. You won't be disappointed. You can get him in that 7th, 8th round range. By then you should have your running backs. Maybe you want to pick up Evans or Godwin and run the wide receiver stack with Tom. But overall, you're not going to be disappointed having Tom Brady. Now, Leonard Fournette, his ADP is 25. So we're talking about a late second round, early third round running back here. He's just behind Saquon Barkley, just behind Javante Williams. He is ahead of Ezekiel Elliott and James Conner. Feels justified where Leonard's going. Zeke's going to split. And we talked about James Conner on a previous episode. Very touchdown reliant in that Arizona offense. But right behind Saquon, who has the improved O-line, should have a better year. Javante's still the number one in Denver. I could have maybe made a case for Fournette over Javante strictly because of the Melvin Gordon factor in Denver. But I'm still okay with it where he's going. I'd feel comfortable with Fournette being my second running back. I don't want him to be my number one. Um, If I do go wide receiver, wide receiver, I would probably hope to get Saquon or go the Javante route. But overall, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. Tom really likes Fournette. He does have the receiving upside as well. So I think he's a very viable running back option from a fantasy perspective. Wide receiver-wise, this is a team that's littered with talent wide receivers. Mike Evans goes one pick after Leonard Fournette. So once again, late second, early third. He's going just behind Tyree Kill and Debo Samuel. Two great wide receivers from last year. He's just ahead of A.J. Brown and Keenan Allen. Mike Evans is the safe pick. He's going to get you 1,000 yards. He's going to get you 8 to 10 touchdowns. You feel good about it. Now, Chris Godwin did have more receiving yards than him last year, despite less games. So it's tough to say whether Evans is truly still the number one here, if it's a 1A, 1B situation. I'm going to lean that he's still the one just because Godwin had the injury. But... He's the safe play here. If you go for A.J. Brown and he plays the full 17 games, he's probably going to outperform Mike. If you go for Keenan Allen, once again plays the full schedule, probably going to outperform Mike. But Mike, you know what you're getting. You're getting the 1,000 yards, the 8 to 10 touchdowns. You feel like you have a legitimate wide receiver one in fantasy. That's what you're going to get from Mike Evans. Chris Godwin, you're getting early 6th round maybe late fifth round, his ADP is 62. But when I look at the wide receivers in his range, the Hollywood Browns, the Brandon Cooks, and the Michael Thomases, Michael Thomas, it's already been reported that he's dealing with a bit of a an injury issue in camp. And so bit concerned, him coming off the year-long break. Brandon Cooks, not in a great offense, but very clearly the number one in that offense, the only player worth drafting in Houston. And then Hollywood Brown, who, if he doesn't figure out his drops issues when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, he may not be the best option for you come fantasy playoffs. Godwin's safe. He was 1,100 yards last year. He's going to be in that probably 7-9 to touchdown range. You feel good about drafting him, that he's going to get plenty of receptions. Tom's not looking to air it out at age 46, I think is where he's at now. He's not looking to air it out to Chris Godwin. That's what Mike Evans is there for. So if you're in PPR, you especially like Chris Godwin. You feel comfortable having him as your wide receiver too, potentially your flex wide receiver play. And so Chris Godwin I like from a fantasy perspective a lot. I feel great drafting him even coming off the injury. 
Then you get into the Russell Gage and Julio Jones debate. Who's going to be the number three option here? You got Julio 131, you got Gage 129 when it comes to ADP. And to me, there's no upside really to drafting Russell Gage. There is an upside to drafting Julio Jones. Now, first of all, both of these guys are 11th, 12th rounders. You're looking at these guys as flyer picks. But Julio has proven that he can get you a solid season. Even if Julio this year is seven, 800 yards, he stays healthy, throws in another five, six touchdowns, I feel like that's a doable range for Julio. Where does Russell Gage fit in? He couldn't even really win out the job in Atlanta last year as their number one wide receiver. So what's he going to get you? Five, 600 yards, few touchdowns. Cameron Brait's going to steal touchdowns. So I really like it more so from the yards perspective that I think Julio just has a higher upside to get you more catches and yards. Tom's going to lean on Julio because he's a veteran, because he's a proven guy. I think I'd rather take the late flyer on Julio despite the injury history. If he has anything left in the tank, then we're going to see it with Tom this year. So I think he's worth the late round flyer. Now tight end to cap it off, Cameron Brait. This is strictly a touchdown guy. Cameron Brait at best is going to get you a five catch, 40, 50 yard week. You hope that he throws in a touchdown as well. So he gets you like an 18 point week if you're doing PPR. But overall, I don't love this from a drafting perspective. You can get Robert Tunyon who has higher upside. He may miss a couple games, but if you're punting tight end down the road, then you can get a guy like that later on. Uh, But he's going to be on your waiver wire throughout the year. Guys are going to pick him up hoping for that touchdown. If they get it, awesome. If they don't, then sucks to be them. But overall, I don't really see a lot of upside here for Cameron Bright, even without Rob Gronkowski there now. I just don't see him being a reliable week-to-week fantasy guy. So with that being said, what are the expectations for this Bucks team? Anytime you have Tom Brady, it's Super Bowl or bust. You're also in the easier conference. Let's call it what it is. The NFC is the far easier conference. They're going to be far less battle-tested from a playoff perspective when they get to the Super Bowl. If you're Kansas City, you might have to play Buffalo, Baltimore, Cincy, Indy. But in the NFC, what do you really have? You have maybe a tough game against Green Bay or Dallas, maybe the Rams, San Fran. But none of those teams outside of the Rams really scare you top to bottom. There's question marks around all of them. We know that Tampa Bay is bringing back essentially the same group that they had when they won the Super Bowl. If they beat the Rams last year, we probably saw them in the Super Bowl once again and Tom lifting another trophy. So overall, the Bucks' expectations, even with Todd Bowles at the helm, is Super Bowl or bust. This is their window with Tom Brady, the greatest of all time, and we'll see if they can get it done once again this upcoming season. But thank you everyone who tuned into today's episode. We are nearly at the end of our NFL team previews. We have another five teams to go. It's been a ton of fun breaking all of these down, and we appreciate everyone who tunes in every single day to listen to them. And so drop us a five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps the show grow, and we appreciate you all. We'll see you tomorrow for the Daily Competitive Hedge podcast.